digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Will the Thrill. Greetings and salutations. There's no beer because it's like nine in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not doing that. I was we considering both, the wacky we, sodas, but... We both have to work. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. So, uh, and we have our storyteller today, Mr. TJ2, the deuce. That was... Very quiet, very quiet. But that's because it was a that's because it was a bottle cap. Okay, ah. gotcha. All right. So, what are you drinking? Because it's uh, I, Saturday. Well, see, uh, the, see, this is where the uh, time difference is actually a fortunate thing. It's after uh, twelve o'clock where I am, so I'm I am having a beer. Good for you, man. Fair enough. Yeah. Go for it. I might. Yeah, I might Eastern, I, someone... Eastern, yeah Eastern time zone rocks. <laughs> I, I might Irish up this coffee a bit. We'll see how things go. <laughs> yes, and I'm a, but, but I, I'm just enjoying Old Reliable, a Schoenerbach. Oh, nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, last weekend, me and Will the Thrill celebrated our 10-year anniversary. Yep. He's been putting up with me for way longer than 10 years, but like legally so for 10. So I'm really impressed I've been, with myself. I've been, put, I've been putting up with your ass for like 40 yeah, but we like. Yeah, hey, yeah, hey, Will. Yeah, call, call me when you hit forty, bro. Did, did, does it get any easier? Uh, no. <laughs> no. You realize well, no, you're. Sure you realize that you're a pretty easy sleeper, right? Oh uh, yeah, I fall asleep quick. I, yeah, I wake yeah. up quick though. That's yeah, the other thing. So just watch. Yes. Yeah, well, she I came into this world. She came into this world throwing, pooping herself and throwing food, and now she's in her forties and pooping herself and probably still throwing food. I, no, I don't throw my food or poop myself, but I do need a nap because I'm fussy. Oh, yeah, all joking aside, 10 wonderful years. Thank uh, you, Aldi. Yay. Yeah, we Look are. at us. I know. We're adorable. Relationship so, goals. Should we, should we cover the business first? In... Yeah, we can. Why don't we cover the business while we're... Oh. Well, go ahead. Okay. Cover the business. Okay. Oh, yeah. So we, we had a loss that uh, TJ, you had alerted me to, uh, Mr. Tom T. Hall. Yeah, uh, so we're recording this on Saturday, uh, as you're, ho- you know, hopefully listening to this on Wednesday when it uh, drops, uh, and it was actually yesterday, so Friday, that he passed away. What a great songwriter, man. You start going through the list of songs that guy wrote, he, yeah, he, it, wrote, he wrote Harper Valley PTA, mm-hmm. he wrote I Love, which if you don't like that song, if it doesn't give you warm fuzzies, I'm not sure that you're human or have a heart. <laughs> you may not be, maybe an android. I love little baby ducks oh pickup trucks come on see i loved harper valley pta because it was such a slap in the face of conformity and <laughs> really like was just dripping with feminism didn't even realize it, it was written by a male it was written by a man he also wrote little bitty which alan jackson yeah, uh made famous uh, of course and yeah just a ton of great songs so yeah that the definite terrible loss for the songwriting and country community yeah absolutely we miss you tom so i want to give a shout out to this one place because we did we did take our kind of you know 10th anniversary trip down to palm springs because we have what i would consider family down there and it's it's awesome it's beautiful but we went we found just stumbled upon this record store called palm springs vinyl records and collectibles and this place 
was awesome. Apparently they have their own uh, satellite radio show, but we found rare albums. I found a book on Prince, hint, hint, uh, that has been out of print for years. So it was great. I found an album from uh, Marilyn Monroe, which I didn't even realize existed, which was a collection of all of her songs. So also hint, hint, because that'll be one of the next series that comes up out of my mouth. So Big shout out to that store. If you're ever in that Palm Springs area, go check them out. They're awesome. Sweet. Any other news is a brush made beer. Oh, and yes. Yeah. Tab, tab quit being sold. Which really upset me because my Palm Springs tradition is to go to the Sonny Bono statue and pop a tab. And I don't know how much longer I'll be able to do that because that stuff probably has a backstock, but it'll run out eventually. Oh, yeah. How long does tab last? forever and then rush made beer so like yeah, rush made rush, beer. like god rush give made us, beer. god give us hey. and god taketh away yeah hey the, more like the the spirits of radio am i right huh red ale barchetta huh right that's a good one i was gonna say uh test for lager yes test for lager sounds that's that's excellent why why z ipa <laughs> i mean the possibilities are endless and of course we did cover the late great the professor Neil Pert. Neil Pierce. Yes, yes, yes. You. I know. I, I stumped. I'm sorry. It's early, folks. Beer. All right. Well, we've uh, chewed a lot of fat here. <laughs> yep. So why don't we get to the meat? Tasty, tasty fat. Uh, yes. So we are wrapping up our uh, series on Tom Petty today. This is part five. This is going to be the end. If you listen to part four, that actually sounded like the end because we went from full moon fever to Tom's untimely passing. And that's normally where we end things. But I didn't want to end on that gigantic of a bummer. <laughs> so uh we're we're actually going to backtrack a little bit on this one and i don't know about you guys but for those who are new listeners and we apparently have a lot of you and and, and hi welcome yes thank you. hello a, please please uh have a few munchos and a cold pbr uh-huh. um munchos are a bit criminally underrated potato snack in my opinion <laughs> just throwing that out there the way that we used to do this basically was that we did one artist, one show, and then we went to the next one. So we, we, we had to, last year, comically squeeze Frank Sinatra, Amy Winehouse, and John Bonham into single episodes, <laughs> which, which is, in retrospect, you just sit there and think like, God, how did we, why did we even try? The, the amount of stuff you have to leave on the cutting room floor is immense. So we've gone with this heavy hitter concept where we do multiple part episodes. And it was, there was, so it was cool to have a little bit of variety in terms of, oh, why we do a different artist every week, but it sucked in terms of the fact that each one of us had to have a a new episode ready to go every three weeks. (laughs) Like you had two weeks to write and prepare. So the way we do it now gives us more time. We get to dig in a little deeper, which we like, but the other thing, and I think you mentioned this um, to LD when you did the Dusty Springfield series that we concluded right before we started Tom you really feel like you're living with the topic. Like mm-hmm. really. It is. And Tre- you know tremendously what? so. In the end, it just makes me so sad because you've lived with this person, their music, their stories, their families, like all their faults, the warts and all, and you've lived with them and you've learned to love them, accept them and appreciate them on a whole different level. And then mm-hmm. basically you have to kill them. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And then you kill, and right, and then you kill off your leading lady or man. But uh, we we did that in the last episode, so we're going to try to end on a slightly more upbeat note. And I suppose we will get started. In 1989, a renowned record producer, known primarily for his work with rap and heavy metal acts, had just moved to California. As he was out for a drive one day, he heard the Tom Petty song "Running Down a Dream," the second single from the Full Moon Fever album. He'd really liked the previous single, I Won't Back Down Too. Now, he'd always admired Tom's work, but he wasn't really a fan, saying he preferred much harder-edged stuff. But these two songs convinced him to go out and buy the whole album. He said he listened to it, quote, a million times, and that it may not have left his car CD player for a year. (laughs) He knew an executive at Tom's then-record label, MCA. He called him and said that if there was ever a chance to work with Petty, he'd love to do it. He says he was told, quote, thanks, but it's not happening, as Tom was then working with Jeff Lynne, of course. He didn't know it at the time, and almost no one did because it wasn't public knowledge. But Tom, as we discussed in our last episode, was ready to leave MCA and had actually already signed a secret deal with Warner Brothers Records by this time. Heartbreakers guitarist Mike Campbell somehow heard about this producer's interest and told Tom they should consider working with him. When said producer had lunch with a Warner Brothers executive who told him about the secret deal, he mentioned how much he'd like to work with Tom Petty. So that is how the very fruitful partnership began between Tom Petty and Rick Rubin. Now, Rubin said he loved Full Moon Fever and he loved the production on it by Jeff Lynne. However, where Lynn produced clean, almost perfect-sounding songs that were somewhat pieced together, Ruben embraced a much more organic approach and preferred a more live-on-the-floor recording style, which is primarily what Tom and the Heartbreakers had always done before Jeff Lynn. Now, he said that there was one beneficial carryover for Tom from working with Jeff Lynn. On his podcast, Ruben said Lynn is, quote, a song disciplinarian and, quote, a hard-ass about songs that hammered home concise lyrics and a great melody. So Tom would begin working on his second solo album, though every member of the Heartbreakers would be contributors, with most contributing heavily. This one would eventually be called Wildflower. Now, they started working on songs, but there was one bit of unfinished MCA business to attend to. Tom technically owed the label two more albums, though he only had to deliver one if it was a greatest hits package with two new songs included. Tom really didn't have any interest in tacking two new songs onto a Greatest Hits record, primarily because he didn't think they belonged there. Quote, there is no bonus, man, he said when asked in a Q interview about bonus tracks. If it's not supposed to be there, I don't want it on my record. (laughs) That's an interesting debate because I I don't know about you guys. I was a fan of the bonus track. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something charming about it. Like the hidden tracks or bonus tracks? No, no, like if you buy a Greatest Hits album, there's always a new song or two tacked on to the end. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought you meant like the hidden track, like the second album. Oh, no, no, no. Tom, Tom, meant, yeah. Tom meant, you know, if I'm making a greatest hits album, the purpose of it is it's my greatest hits. So why do I put a new song on there? That doesn't make any sense. So it's kind of a purist approach to a greatest hits. Okay. Right, sure. Enough. Right. Now, he said he also didn't like the idea of, quote, giving away a song, and he wanted to focus his energies on the new album he was making. So everyone packed up and moved to a different studio deciding it would be best to change the locale if they had to change their focus from the upcoming project. Now, Ruben was listening to a tape of songs Tom and Campbell had been working on, and none of them really stood out to him, but in between two of the songs was a guitar riff that Campbell had been working on. Quote, whatever that was, that's your song, Ruben said. Tom came up with some lyrics, and it was originally called Indiana Girl, with the chorus, 
hey, Indiana girl, go out and find the world. He ended up changing those, obviously. And the result would be a top 20 pop hit that would have a two-week run at number one on the rock charts. This is one that LD threatened violence over if it were not played. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to play it now. This is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with that bonus track that Tom didn't want to record, Mary Jane's Last Dance.
just saying, if you give a burial at sea, then you need to slice their tummies but, open. But, but that's not really a burial at sea. That's that you give people a burial at sea when you, you're way out where it's you're in like two mile deep water. He, he like he like basically like tosses her ass on the break and leaves. I know, but he still if like if he wants to keep her down because the gases from your body. But he doesn't want to keep her down. Her eyes open. Yeah, but I don't think she's alive. I think her she comes eyes- back. To, she comes back to live, yo. But why would she? Also, the flaw in his plan is based on what I can see there. It looks like the tide was coming in. So the body's yeah, just going to wash really, back that's on That's really poor planning. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we are back. <laughs> so the, the, the conclusions we came to during this video was, one, this body heist was poorly planned. Yeah, uh, it's very two, poorly planned. Two, unless Tom Petty is a coroner, and even then... No, he's, he's, a, mort- he's a mortician. But that does not make him a coroner. I know, but like... No, he's, not even, he's not even the head mortician. He's like no, an he, assistant. Yeah, that, that other dude that yeah. looked like Igor, with like, or that, that the guy with like who just looks better bald so it's safe yeah. to say that uh, tom petty's character lost his mortician's internship after this incident yeah, at, at this point yeah. right yeah i mean it, this this lands into creepy territory but you know what kim basinger the fact that she walked oh, God, by, she's the, oh she was the hottest dead chick ever. yeah but the thing is like he he dips her at one point in her neck i could feel it snap like mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was I'm impressed because she did a really good job. And here's the thing that I've noticed throughout this series. For all the times Tom says he doesn't like stuff or doesn't want to do it, it turns out really well. Yeah. Right. And he, says he, doesn't, he, said he, he claimed he didn't like doing videos that much or didn't care for them. And <laughs> not many people made better ones than he did, frankly. Yeah. So obviously, as we just talked about, that song is very much remembered for its video, which featured Tom Petty as a morgue worker or a mortician's assistant or something taking the dead body of Kim Basinger home, dressing it up, dancing with it, then placing it in the ocean with her eyes opening at the conclusion. When asked in one interview I saw, Tom demurred about what the ending was supposed to mean and said he liked to leave it up to the viewer. In an interview with the Daily Beast, Basinger said, quote, it was classic, wasn't it? He was a doll and he was so sweet and asked me to do it. And both of us are extremely shy. So we just said three words to each other the whole time. Oh yeah, I remember reading something where she really, this is like, one of her favorite things she ever did. I can see why. As for the implied tumble and tundra of the song, Mike Campbell said that it could be a drug reference or it could be a goodbye love song. Quote, my take on it is that it can be whatever you want it to be, he said. Hmm. On top of the song, uh, on top of that song, the band decided to record one cover to include as the second throw-in song on the Greatest Hits album. Ruben said that they knocked out 50 in an unbelievably short amount of time. Now, if my chronology is correct, this is right around the time after Ruben had parted ways with the Beastie Boys, correct? This is 1993, okay. I a think. Years, yeah. A few years away, yes. okay. Yeah, 92, 93, some, which, somewhere in there where he's... Which, he's if you, uh, which for the listeners who may have not gotten a chance, if you can even see it, our Adam Yauk series... Uh, yep. you can get oh, no, it. No, no, yeah. no, no. You guys want to know something great? Um, was they're like, we're taking this down. And then, so because of our program, they put it in our, like they removed it, but it goes back into our draft folder. So I just republished it. Nice. So in a rebellious move, we have republished the Alk series. And to quote the words of our current subject, if you haven't heard it yet, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, I want y'all to think about that. that. That Rick Rubin said Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers 
knocked out 50 cover songs in like a week. Well, considering <laughs> the, ridiculous. Considering the Wilburys did an entire album in nine days, it's sort right. of well suit. Uh, and he said that was something that almost no other band he's ever been around could have done. Jeez. Some of the now some of those cover songs ended up on the playback box set. The one that ended up on the album was the Thunderclap Newman song "Something in the Air." By the way, hmm. the greatest hits album, which marked the last work original Heartbreakers drummer Stan Lynch did with the band, we talked about his departure in the last episode, was a mighty nice parting gift for MCA as Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' greatest hits has now been certified diamond and is estimated to have sold over 12 million copies. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Now, having taken care of the old business, it was time to put the focus back on Wildflowers. This was an incredibly fertile period for Petty creatively, so let's sort of go over what the creative process was like for him. Per his daughter, Adria Petty, on Rick Rubin's Broken Record podcast, Tom had one room that was basically designated as the place that he wrote. She said sometimes he would go in there, quote, for a little while, but that sometimes he'd basically disappear in there for weeks and that you wouldn't see him. Wow. He would start a notebook for every new project with the top page having, quote, a coffee ring and gross stuff all over it. But inside was notes, lyrics, music, and everything else related to the album. Ruben said that Tom wrote almost every song that you hear on Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers records. Now, he allowed that when they first met, Tom told him Mike Campbell wrote one or two songs per album that were, quote, real, real good ones. Even in those cases, though, Campbell came up with the guitar riff or sometimes the entire musical framework of the song, but he still left it up to Tom to write lyrics and figure out the melody. But mostly, Tom wrote everything. He almost always did a demo on his own. But Reuben said he didn't always bring them in for everyone to hear. He did sometimes, but other times he would just bring in his guitar, play it, and show the rest of the band the song. Then they would all work their parts out. As such, there were a lot of demos of songs from Wildflowers that Reuben didn't hear until they were released in a box set much later, but we'll get there in just a bit. Now, Tom actually did not like to discuss songwriting that much. He said, quote, sometimes a song comes so fast, you're suspicious where it came from. He said in a CBC News interview, quote, there's some kind of actual magic going on there. I feel that for some reason I was born with some kind of conduit to this energy force or whatever it is. And I can have that happen through me if I really try to do it or sometimes when I'm not, when I'm just standing there. I don't like to stare at that light very long. I'm kind of superstitious about it. Reuben also used the word magic, as did Campbell, who also said songwriting was, quote, mystical, while Ben Tench called it both magical and, quote, a form of prayer, of breathing. Mm. Now, I actually want to ask you guys something. Not long before I heard this interview with Tom Petty where he said that songwriting, the creative process, was some kind of actual magic, and he really didn't like talking about it because he was superstitious about it. I'd had a discussion with a friend who's also a newspaper writer, and I asked him, I said, do you ever get bouts of writing constipation and writing diarrhea <laughs> and he knew exactly what i meant he said yup sure do and what i mean by that is because i work at a newspaper that's let's say understyle <laughs> that's a charitable way to put it <laughs> to put it mildly to yeah. put it mildly i have to be a volume writer i have to write a lot of stories so it's not a matter of ah, boy i'm just not feeling it i can't write stories today it's like no i have to i don't really don't have a choice but sometimes it feels strained. It's 
forced, it's not satisfying, and I call that writing constipation. <laughs> and yep. then there are times when I write so fast, I, I literally, my fingers can't keep up with, with the things that are flowing out of me. Now, LD, you work in a creative field. Will is also a writer. And I'm just wondering, do you guys, where does that come from, do you think? Because I had a stretch, it's probably been uh, six weeks ago, two months ago now. I wrote something ridiculous, like eight stories in four hours. And and, and I mean, and they were, and I was happy with it. It, it wasn't crap. I was, I was like, boy, the, the leads are good. And boy, the paragraphs just flow, nice ending and everything. I, I was actually like happy with it. And you're like, why can't I bottle that shit? And, and take a sip of it when I need it. You know, it's it's funny because I feel like our brains block out creativity a lot of times. And I say that, I mean, like, we actively, okay, it's, uh, this is going to sound terrible, but you've heard the old adage if you're like, if you take drugs and you're waiting for them to kick in, it's going to never take, you know, it's never going to kick in. Right. Or a watch pot never boils. I think if you're just trying to push out something, it's not going to come. So if you're working on it, you're actually like actively blocking it out. So I think you just got to like walk away. What is he? What? Oh, jeez. What, 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 what did I say? <laughs> Tickled tra- TJ, whatever it is. You know, I have no idea what wow, I said. Wow, and TJ's broken. Margaret. <laughs> Bravo. But, but anyway, I'm sorry, you were saying. What what happened? You're actually you're, you're saying you can't force it out. Is what you're saying. You can't what? force the creative process. Yeah, but what 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 did I say that just like made my brother lose his mind for like two minutes? I mean, right? If you just watch, if you watch it and try to force it, it's never going to come. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Still not saying our website. <laughs> I mean, I used taint in our last episode as a legitimate word, and y'all started snickering as I tried to walk yeah. away from it. So um, I don't want to hear any crap from you people. I, I, I'd like to apologize for, to the listeners, but then realize if you don't know us by now, you should. Yeah. Yeah. So why yeah, are you why are you starting on Tom Petty Part 5 if you're a new listener? Where, where have you been? Come on. Go back. Yes. Go back. Yes, to, co- to quote Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes, if you don't know me by now, yeah, you, you will never. never, never, never know me. <laughs> but your point is that it can't be forced. Exactly. If you sit there and you try to push it out, it's not going to work. And it's like half the stuff that I come up with, because like I I work in casting, so it's not so much like the creative side of it. Like you have to get creative with other but, but, aspects. Sure, but you have, but you have done that. Yeah, I mean, in I've your professional written, career, I've written, and once you get an idea and you can just follow the idea, it's much, you know, it's much easier. It like I've written a script before. I've written several scripts before, but it came from like not searching for it it's like an idea that it struck me out of the blue and i just rolled with it but it wasn't something that i like sat down and like mapped out and thought about but like it's it just you can't force genius no i mean i've never had genius but i know you can't force it yeah that's just uh, that's always kind of fascinated me a little bit where 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 that comes from and how you tap into whatever feeds that it's just an interesting process now after the fact 
Rick Rubin said that Tom told him that wildflowers, quote, scared him. Quote, he didn't know why it was as good as it was. He huh. said, I can't, he said, I can't do that now. Wow. Hmm. Now, now he didn't mean he couldn't do work that good. He meant specifically that he could not have made that album again. Ruben said he was surprised when Tom said it and that he had never really heard any artist say anything like that before. Ruben also relayed that on one occasion, Tom picked up his guitar and sang a song for him. He doesn't remember exactly what song it was, but he said the lyrics were ornate and told a story. He asked Tom when he'd written it and he got the response just now. Oh, wow. Likewise, Tom recorded the demo for the song Wildflowers in one burst with no lyrics written down. Wait, the title track? Uh Uh-huh. He got to one point where he knew there would be a break of some kind, so he filled it with lyrics from another song. But that showed that the creativity could hit him in very prodigious bursts. Uh, Hey, T, I hate to interrupt you, but we do need to take a short sponsor break. And we are back. And we're back now to the finale of our series on the great Tom Petty. Now, at the start of the proceedings, Tom only had one song written, but it was an awfully, awfully good one. Now, Tom had a great and varied catalog, but I think we can agree that for the most part, he stayed in his lane. There are elements of rock, blue, folk, and country across his work, but it always kind of sounds like Tom Petty music, right? He, he kind of has a signature sound. There aren't a lot of departures, but this one is about as close as you get to a departure in so much as it features a string and orchestral section directed by the great Michael Kamen, by the way. Tom said there's a lot more going on in this one lyrically than people realize and that there are a lot of different interpretations as to what it could mean. All I know is that I love it. It's one of my favorite Tom Petty songs ever. So we're going to play it. This is Tom Petty from Wildflowers and it's good to be king. All right. Nice. Get away. 
And we're back. That is such a depressing video. It is. And and it's like I said when we were listing our favorite Tom Petty videos in a previous episode. If you take a lot of the imagery from that in a vacuum, just unto itself, they're almost funny. But for some reason, when paired with that song, they're depressing. It is sad. Yeah. Well, the whole tone is very sort of morose you have like you know, like you said the string arrangement by who i believe is now the late michael Kamen. no the late michael Kamen, yes yeah yep. and then you have just the lyrics which again tom's the way he layers those you have the surface what the lyrics is and then just the subtext of it is just it like you said it just your heart sinks it it's there's there's i'm I, i'm trying to think of a way to put this and i don't know any other way to put it but this if my feels had nuts that song would donkey kick them with wearing like ski boots yeah, it only takes you down a peg. Yeah, it really does. Um, now, Wildflowers, the album, in most spots, has a very laid-back, almost folk rock vibe. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. 
then are, there are some absolute balls out rockers on that one, including Honey Bee, which I yep. love, Cabin Down Below, House in the Woods, and the hit You Wreck Me. Yep. The latter is one of the, quote, real good songs that Mike Campbell brought to the table. Tom wrote the lyrics, but per Adria Petty, that was just called Mike's song for a long time. <laughs> and when it, finally, when it finally started to take shape, it was originally called You Rock Me huh. before the final lyrics were hammered out. That song also sparked one of the only minor disagreements that Tom and Rick Rubin had in the process of making the album. In the chorus, Tom sings, you wreck me, baby. Yeah, you break me in two. But you move me, honey. Yes, you do. Rubin thought, yes, you do, represented, quote, wasted real estate, since the chorus only had four lines to say what needed to be said. Quote, are you crazy? That's the best line. That's the whole song, Tom told him. So it stays. Rick said he definitely helped Tom be the best version of himself. He could be in the studio. He fostered a creative environment and pushed when needed, but said Tom was, quote, such a pro that it was like he was producing his own album, really. Hmm. The album was recorded over parts of two years. Ruben said as they finished tracks, or thought they finished tracks, they would go out to a little Subaru that someone had rented and listen to the songs. <laughs> If they didn't sound good in the Subaru, then they knew that the songs needed some work. Ruben said they finished about 28 songs, and he and Tom decided that this was going to be a double album. So they took everything to Warner Brothers Records. The songs were very well received, but it was suggested that the set be pared down to a single album. Now, Tom had fought his previous label over prices, over creative control, and over what he saw as unfair business practices. So Ruben said he fully expected Tom to say, quote, I made a double album. I'm releasing a double album. Quote, he was normally anti-anyone saying anything about anything. <laughs> that covers it all. He never went along with anything, Ruben said. Imagine his surprise then when Tom was amenable to the idea. He isn't exactly sure why that happened, but he theorizes that Tom was willing to play nice because it was his first album with his new label. In talking with Adria Petty, he also figures that Tom saw the logic in terms of affordability from the perspective of fans. Double albums are twice as expensive as standard sets, so it's entirely possible, as per usual, he didn't want to price anyone out of being able to hear his music. Whatever the reason, that meant decisions had to be made about which songs were going to be kept. Ruben said that was mostly Tom's call. They cut it down to 15 songs, and the album was released. Wildflowers hit the top 10. It went triple platinum, and it was very, very well received critically, with Rolling Stone placing it at number 12 on its list of the top albums of the 1990s. Now, we're going to venture into a different part of the wildflowers legacy here in just a second but before we leave that of the original you guys have uh, sat you two on the, my, my brethren on the other end of the zoom call have sat and listened to me pontificate and hold forth four or five episodes now and i have not given you guys a pick so aside from the songs from wildflowers we've already played and the one that we're going to play at the very end i'm going to just throw this up into a dealer's choice what song you want? I, if I got to say it, you've mentioned it before. It's a banger of a song. I love it. So I think, unless Mr. Will the Thrill has something, I would like You Wreck Me, Baby. If you remember, that was on my set list, which is still being worked on to this day, even though it was the yep. first episode. <laughs> right. Yep, we did, we did that a month ago, and I'm still changing mine. 
I'd say the only okay. other contender outside of what we've played already would be time to move on. Oh, I really God, like I love that. <laughs> yeah. But but you know what? We're, we're we'll get into some slightly heavier, you know, a little bit of downbeat territory here a, a little bit later. So just rocking out with you wreck me sounds cool to me. I'm I'm doing I'm good with it. All right, let's do okay. it. Classic. We are back. Banger. Great song. So good. So good. Yep. That that was a song that started its life being called Mike's Song and then became You Rock Me and then You Wreck Me. So e- e- excellent pick, guys. And Tom Petty won the lyric battle, I guess. So it stayed as I, I guess as so, I yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so now we've talked about the fact that Tom recorded 28 songs. So the question becomes, what about the rest of the songs that didn't make the original Wildflowers album? Well, a few were used as B-sides, like Girl on LSD, but fans would not get to hear the full set for 26 years. Uh (laughs) The first of the unreleased songs fans got a taste of was actually recorded by somebody else. Now, Tom Petty's manager, Tony Demetriotis, was apparently friends with the manager of Rod Stewart. He thought one of the songs that didn't make the Wildflowers album would actually be a good fit for him, so he sent it along. At first, Stewart said he really didn't care for it, but added that luckily he listened to it a few times over and that it grew on him. After about four listings, something clicked and he decided to record it. Released the year after the Wildflowers album in 1995, it actually became a top 10 adult contemporary hit. Tom's version wouldn't see the light of day until 2020 officially, but let's hear his version of it now, even though we just listened to another one. Who cares? It's Tom Petty and it's all great. This is Tom Petty with a song that was covered by and became a hit for Rod Stewart. This is Leave Virginia Alone.
Okay, so had you guys heard that one previously? I've heard the Rod Stewart version. Okay. What What did you think of Tom's? Uh, Look, we I, all said we all said pretty much the same thing right at the time it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it sounds like Bob Seger. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. You, you said against the wind. I said um, night moves, but yeah, but it, it has a very Segerish sound to it. In the final few years of his life, Tom decided to revisit the previously unreleased songs from Wildflowers. He realized that the full double album, as he and Ruben originally envisioned it, was an important part of his musical legacy. Ruben said it actually seemed to, quote, haunt him a bit. So he went back, cleaned up a few things, and finished a couple of parts and put 10 of the leftover songs together, including Leave Virginia Alone, which we just heard, and the four songs that had appeared in a slightly different form on the She's the One soundtrack. He played it for Ruben, who admitted to being floored by what he heard since he said he'd mostly forgotten about a lot of the songs and admitted to only vague recollections of some others. He said Tom wasn't exactly sure what to do with them, though. He didn't want to release it as a new album because it wasn't one, but he didn't want to put it out as a catalog album either, believing it deserved more than that. It also wasn't a sequel to Wildflowers. It was, in fact, part of his original vision for the Wildflowers album. Ruben said, unfortunately, Tom was not around long enough to decide how to proceed on that front as he passed away while he was working on that project. Ruben did sort of talk him out of naming it Wildflowers 2, with Petty having decided instead to name it All the Rest. He also wasn't sure how to present it live. In his final interview, conducted just days before his death with the Los Angeles Times, which is still posted online, which you can listen to, and you should because it's excellent, he said it didn't seem like the kind of thing that would play as well in the large arenas the band usually played in. When it was suggested he do small venues, he said that would probably be the right atmosphere, but also said if he played 3,000 scene arenas, quote, we're paying for it because he was not there are a lot of artists who they're like oh yeah we could do a theater show with 3,000 people and we'll charge you know $300 a ticket and Tom was not the kind to do that he, he was never going to price anybody out so it's like that that might be the right way to do it but if we play a 3,000 seater then we you know pretty much we're losing money they would operate in the red he said because of expenses but he also said if that was the right path then that's what he was he would do he was toying with presenting it as sort of a residency as well he said quote I'd have to do some research. And again, sadly, he wouldn't be around to make that plan. A live presentation with Tom will never come to fruition, but the album did. Adria Petty wanted to make sure her father's vision was seen by the public, but didn't want to be in a state of grieving while doing it right after his death, reasoning that it should be a fun endeavor. Eventually, she, Mike Campbell, Ben Tench, and God, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but I'll take a shot. Ryan Ulgate, who I'm just going to call Ryan going forward. Okay. Uh, he's an engineer who was essentially the keeper of Tom's musical vault. They all started to work on releasing the full Wildflowers album with a lot of extras. Now, when Tom still thought he was making a double album circa 1993 or 1994, he sent discs to both Adria and to his brother, Bruce. She said she was only about 19 and in college at the time, and she probably tossed it on the floorboard of her car or something, and she lost it. Oh, wow. Uh. Bruce also no longer has his copy. Neither can remember the sequence of the songs other than Girl on LSD was the last track. Ruben said he does not think that they had actually gotten as far as sequencing the songs for the full double album. 
there were probably a couple of different versions that they had recorded, but none was definitive as far as he knows. Adrian Petty did find some notes that Tom wrote, but none gave absolute clarity on how Tom planned to sequence the songs for the Wildflowers album. Ryan said what they found was basically a to-do list with the songs written down with things like, quote, needs a guitar solo next to them. Sequencing songs was something that Tom spent a lot of time on, and he considered it very important as he wanted to give listeners a cohesive story from beginning to end. In an interview with Variety magazine, Adria Petty said that Tench eventually said to her, quote, you know, I just don't feel like I'm sure enough that this is the sequence he would be good with. Now, Tom had obviously sequenced the original Wildflowers album, and he had, in fact, sequenced the songs for all the rest before he died. So it was decided to just leave all those in the order he put them in, rather than trying to guess how a Wildflowers album would have been sequenced had it been a double album. Quote, I just didn't find the definitive list from him. He took some time with Ryan on all the rest and loved the way that it was laid out. The sequencing does really speak to you, she said. Ryan said it's just as well that they didn't try to put out a uh, that they didn't try to put a double album together. He met Tom when he was mixing the concert for George album with Jeff Lynn, eventually became a co-producer on Highway Companion and had a role with Petty from then on. He said he and Tom actually put all the rest together in 2014. He said Tom himself thought about sequencing it as a double album, but ultimately decided a compendium of songs that didn't make the original was the best way to go because, quote, people are too used to that album, speaking of the original Wildflowers. He wanted to put together a live disc and perhaps demos to accompany all the rest. The Heartbreakers 40th anniversary tour put that on hold, and then, unfortunately, of course, Tom died. But that would still happen. A lot of the music had not been heard by anyone in a long time because no one knew where the stuff was. As it turns out, it was in Tom's closet. <laughs> yeah, just like all the demos, all the extra songs, all the notes for everything. It was just like they were like shoved in a closet somewhere in his house. Yeah, a pair of hiking boots and, oh, all the songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, look, I have a, I have a pair of skis <laughs> and um, a thigh master and um, <laughs> an invaluable collection of songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, good, whatever. Something tells me Tom Petty and the Thigh Masters was not exactly a working <laughs> title for their band. <laughs> Probably not. One disc in a deluxe version of the box set, Adria Petty, Ryan, and the two former Heartbreakers put together was a batch of home recordings and demos. Those do give some interesting insight into Tom's creative process. The demo for You Don't Know How It Feels sounds very close to what the finished product ended up sounding like, but with one exception. There's a line in the demo not present in the finished version of the song that goes, I'm so tired of being tired. Sure as night follows day. Most of the things I worry about never happen anyway. Tom Petty fans probably recognize that line, though, since it ended up being in the song Crawling Back to You. Yep, that's right. Yep. The lead-off song on the demos compilation is one called There Goes Angela, which is a terrific song that never even got past demo form. They never tracked it in the studio. Ruben said in his podcast interview with Adria Petty, he had, in fact, never heard the song before. Wow. He recorded this, this, uh, I mean, this podcast with Adria Petty discussing the Wildflowers box set project. And when she played him the demo, There Goes Angela, Rick Rubin, who produced Wildflowers, had never heard it. Tom didn't even take it to him. Adria figures that her dad likely never 
put it out because lyrically it did have a very similar theme to Wildflowers. Then there is the song California. That song was featured on the She's the One soundtrack. And Adria Petty said she liked it, but it sounded very poppy and that the lyrics came off as a little goofy to her. When she found the demo, though, she said it was, quote, so shit hot. (laughs) And better than the finished studio version. That's partly because it's mainly Tom, his guitar, and a harmonica with no production or sheen. But there's also an additional verse that gives the song an entirely different meaning. One that talks about forgiving your enemies and forgetting the past. She said that completes the picture since California, as Tom talks about in the song, is a place where he escaped an abusive home, built a family, chased his dreams, and started his career. And I happen to agree with every single word that Adria Petty's song about said about the demo version of California. So we're going to hear that one now. This is Tom Petty with his original home-recorded demo version of the song California.
like that one a lot better than the than, than the studio version that ended up on the she's the one soundtrack uh funny enough we were just making fun of that song because it does sound like the adam sandler catalog yeah there is sort of a adam sandler vibe there, to it yeah yeah but the other one i got from it the other artist is actually springsteen if you hear that it's sort of harmonica right. interlude there oh, yeah, that's speaking, very springsteen speaking of the harmonica yeah. right oh do you I, want to do that now I let's do this now. Let's do it now. Okay. Why keep the people waiting? <laughs> right, because they've certainly been clamoring for this. Okay. <laughs> so for some reason, uh my wife and I went to Mass General store several weeks ago and I was listening. This is when I was prepping for our series on Tom. So I I'd been listening to I listened to almost nothing but Tom Petty for a month. And in the course of doing that, obviously I heard a lot of harmonica. So we're at Mass General store. And I decide to buy a $6.99 learn to play the harmonica toy harmonica. <laughs> and, and I've been messing around with it here and there. And the first thing that I learned to play was this, but I, but I'm not, I'm still not good enough to do it from memory. I have to have the little tabs written down in front of me. So okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's, let's see if I can do this. Having had a couple of a beer or three. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. All right. There you go. Hey. Hey. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can play the opening harmonica thing, sort of from "You Don't Know How It Feels." You are almost like John Popper, except for you don't have hollow tip bullets. That that's the only thing that's the only thing separating me. <laughs> it's a it's a razor's edge, man. Right. Uh, yes, but that is yes. I, I was inspired enough to buy a learn to play the harmonica toy harmonica, and I can play that. And um, happy birthday to you, and I think maybe um, oh Susanna. That's the only ones I've learned so far. Great, excellent. Yeah. A couple more songs, you can hit the bar circuit. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm gonna. <laughs> Now, the deluxe version of the Wildflowers box set has one collection of reworked and alternate versions of songs from the original Wildflowers. It's Good to Be King is a little more stripped down, and it's not as lush as the finished product, just for an example. You Wreck Me is a much more piano-driven version song, and the vocal delivery is completely uh, different on that version of Honeybee. Then we come to the live disc that is present on the Wildflowers and uh, all the rest deluxe collection. That calls live performances from as far back as 1995 in Toronto and as recent as July 2017 in New York. I mentioned that uh, this Ryan guy is basically the keeper of Petty's vault. And at this point, a duty he earned basically because he said he kept good notes. That's pretty much how he got the distinction of huh. being the keeper of Tom's vault because he took good notes. Variety asked him if he was so familiar with everything in Petty's vault that he was able to say things like, quote, you know, 
the version of it's good to be king from the Fillmore in 1997 is the best one we've got. He said no, but he said through his spreadsheets and computer files, he does know that they have 135 live recordings of that song. 135? Uh-huh. Jeez. Because they recorded so many of the concerts. This was done painstakingly by he, Tench, Campbell, and Adria Petty just sitting and listening. Wow. So if you wonder, like, well, how did they pick the version of It's Good to Be King that ended up on the live disc in the Wildflowers box set? That group of people just sat there and listened to recording after recording after recording. Those best out of 135 options? <laughs> yep. Jeez. Now, that's something that Campbell said was a very emotional experience at times. He said he tried to put himself in the mindset of Petty in terms of judging, quote, note, this sucks, or, quote, yeah, this is cool. I wanted to play one song off the live compilation. I thought about playing It's Time to Move On because it's such a fantastic song. Yeah. And oddly, given that it was never a single and it wasn't a concert staple by any stretch of the imagination, it is apparently the seventh most streamed Tom Petty song in Tom's entire catalog on Spotify. No kidding. Really? Yeah, popping dozens of his much bigger hits. However, we're going to close out with a laid back track here shortly. So let's just rock out on this one. This was recorded appropriately at Phillips Arena in Georgia back in 2010. This is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with Driving Down to Georgia. Country for no reason. I will 
to them peaches down in Georgia. Red clay and peaches hanging on a tree. Look at them peaches down in Georgia. Red clay and peaches hanging on a tree. And we are back. All right. You, now, Will, you threw out an interesting name during the piano portion of that song. <laughs> yeah. Um, the band that came to mind was Fish. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, really what it is, is letting 
the, the guy who plays piano shine for a minute in a largely guitar driven band. But but that but you're right. That is kind of what it sounded like once you said it. That made sense. Yep. Or and, but the, but also hearing that, I wanted to play one of the live ones because first of all, that live disc is so good. That's in that box set. To just remind everybody how what a good band that was. Absolutely. Live, uh, or, or in the studio or anywhere they played. So now, how was the Wildflowers and all the rest box set received? Variety called it revelatory and, quote, the best and most justified box set of this kind since the Beatles' White Album compendium. It's Mm -hmm. one of the ones you'd load under your arm in a fire, (laughs) which is pretty high praise, I would say. Um, The review said it's tough to fathom how the song Something Can Happen was left off the original album, and it is and said leave Virginia alone, quote, finally gets the fate it deserves, which was not to be handed over to Rod Stewart. <laughs> ouch. Yeah, that, that's kind of... <laughs> Very ouch variety. Rolling Stone called it, quote, immaculately curated, and quote, the definitive artistic statement that newly illuminates one of the most fruitful inspired periods of the American legend's career. It hit the top 10 on the Billboard Albums chart and number one on the rock charts. A reimagined version of She's the One's soundtrack was uh, also released. And Adria Petty has said there could be more music and more projects reimagined forthcoming. Uh, as for the Heartbreakers, uh, Steve Ferroni, the drummer, continues to work and was recently inducted into the Brighton Music Hall of Fame in his native England. Mike Campbell toured with Fleetwood Mac when Lindsey Buckingham left the band, has a bluesy bar band called The Dirty Knobs, and still writes almost every day. Tench has released a solo album and continues to play with pretty much everybody. He said that the band stays in regular contact. It's actually kind of amazing that anyone other than Tom himself could have finished the Wildflowers project, since it was probably, if you really listen to the songs and really listen to all the lyrics, his most introspective and personal album, dealing with his crumbling marriage and of looking back on life and forward as he started to age. Ben Montench summed it up nicely, saying, quote, it's still a family. You need each other because we're the only ones that know about it. You know, we're the only ones that really know anything such as we know it. We're the only ones who shared him. And we stayed together for 45 years because we loved the guy and we loved the sound we made and we loved each other. That's why we did it. And that's all I got. Other than <laughs> another hellish show, another hellish show ending list. Oh, damn you for this. Damn you. Upon, upon everyone. Now, we actually have three participants outside the three of us on this one because Thea, a listener from Colorado who was incredibly cool, who we mentioned in uh, part four, got, got um, guitar lessons as a youngster from Gilby Clark of Guns N' Roses. Which is pretty awesome. Mike has met Mike Campbell and has tons of really cool Tom Petty memorabilia, most of which I think she has shared pictures of on our Facebook page if people want to go look at it. Um, she actually sent one in. And uh, well, of course, our friends Penelope and Mark also sent in their top 10 album list. And what we're going to do is kind of just kind of blow through 10 through six, and we'll focus a little more on five to number one. So do you want to uh, kick this off with one of them? Uh, actually, we do have also Penelope's list of videos. That, I, okay, I forgot. That's something we actually need to do. So when we did our list, top 10 list of Tom Petty videos, initially, I, I think she said she wasn't familiar enough with them or, or, or something, but we, but she ended up doing a list, and we do want to, to hear that. So let's actually do that first. Yeah, I figured we'd do that first and then roll into the new sets because Penelope sure. did, did the homework on this one. And, you know, 
she's obviously been a contributor to our show in the past. So we do want to give her uh, absolutely do this list. So we did top she, it. She gives, she gives much more uh, in, informed and interesting takes than any of us do. <laughs> yes, yes, which, which we're appreciative of. Yes. Uh, so here are the videos. Now, she does state in this list to us that the first nine are really in no particular order. It's sort of just a, you know, here are some ones that I like. The only okay. definitive one is number one, which I think is going to be a bit of a ringer. So, okay. Let's start with okay. Start with 10 and work our way down. We have, right. and this is no particular order, learning to fly. No argument there. No. Uh, don't come around here no more. Top Obvious. of most yep. people's list, I think. Sure. Into the Great Wide Open. Uh, that, that, that's one of the best videos there's ever been. Tell, tells Jane. a wonderful story, almost like a mini movie. Mm -hmm. Mary Jane's Last Dance, which we covered today. We, we talked about earlier, about Tom. that Tom lost his... Um, <laughs> His apprenticeship at the morgue. Unfortunately, stop dragging yep. my heart around. It's a classic. Yep. Free fallen. Just undeniably wonderful in every way. Yeah, can't can't walk away from that one. Saving Grace. Interesting. Okay. Yep. End of the line. Wilburys. Yep. That that's. You know, when, when we talked about that one earlier, the one thing we left out. It's mainly just them just sitting around playing, and then there's like the big Beverly Hillbillies jalopy with the sweet traveling wilbur's emblem on the side it actually does show pictures of all the guys when they were babies or yeah. young children anyway. yeah, yeah. And then so the rock, that's, that's it's a cool video in the rocking chair for the late roy of course and that, then, that is uh, she's i'm sorry did she say end of the line or handle with care end of the line oh wow everything i just said is wrong and dumb and awful and i'm sorry that's not that's that's the completely wrong video. <laughs> you know what you know here's the thing uh maybe, PJ, I shouldn't drink, maybe i shouldn't drink during these episodes huh pj i'm going to isolate that one piece of audio where you admit that you're wrong and just play it in my head rent free on a loop have it queued up okay that's, that's fine with me because i yeah I'll, I'll whiffed on that one that's where they're on the box <laughs> and now we're at the top two here okay i won't back down yep and finally we've discussed this video before face in the crowd nice oh, yeah now, is that her number one or is that 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 is her number one she says the first nine are in no particular order but that is the top Okay. Well, okay. So see, that's that's one that nobody else had in there as number one. I'm trying to think. Did any? Did you have that one in your top ten? No, um, I don't think anybody else had that one. So that, that's a, that's a, that's a very cool pick, and I like it when we have some divergence of opinions. Absolutely. I actually included it on my playlist, which again, that's right. That's, okay, that's what you did right. So. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's the thank thank you as always. Thank you for your very thoughtful entry. Now, now we will go to our top ten Tom Petty albums. I will tell you up front. This can be Tom Petty solo. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Mud Crutch, or the Wilburys. So by my count, amongst that, you've got 20 albums. So a top 10. And and for me, honestly, all but two would get consideration for the top 10. Because Tom didn't do, there's only, he didn't do any that were bad. There are two that, that to me are, are on the lower tier, but neither of them is bad. So about 18 of the 20 merit consideration for being in the top 10 in my opinion yeah absolutely so i'm absolutely. interested to see what everybody else thinks on this one where should we start uh we'll start with penelope and mark absolutely so we'll go with penelope penelope's top 10 tom petty albums again in no particular order here we go tom petty and the heartbreakers debut that's a fan it's a fantastic that's a fantastic debut album <laughs> no doubt damn the torpedoes great album <laughs> Uh, that, that that is, uh, I think there was one reviewer that we talked about who said it's one of the great albums of, of the album rock era, and I would uh, I would agree with that assessment. How, do you, how can you go wrong with with a song that has that many banging songs on it? Yeah, it, it's killer. 
the last DJ. Okay, uh, that that's actually one that for me would be one of those two lower tier, but mm-hmm. uh, obviously we. The, I, I like the divergence of opinion again. Echo. I, I have that one really high on my list. Yeah, that's that's somewhere in the middle for me. Echo is a. I think Echo is an underrated album. Okay. Traveling Wilburys Volume One. One of my favorite albums ever, and and that that masterwork was was banged out in nine days, still. And I don't mean recorded in nine days, written and recorded in nine days, just stands as a testament to the towering array of talent that was in that room. And then I'll just run through the last five here. Highway Companion, Hard Promises, Into the Great Wide Open, Full Moon Fever, and Wildflowers. Uh, Absolutely. All right. Thank thank you, Penelope, very much. Solid, Penelope. Thank you. All right. And we want to go to Mark now? Sure. Sure. So Mark, our contributor from Jacksonville, Florida, has actually a top six. So he did six. The honorable... That's a a 60 and you fail. Yes. You get 60%, Mark. I'm sorry. You get nothing. Which I I think is uh, infinitely higher than what LD is going to contribute. But go ahead. (laughs) Um, And the reason it's a top six, it was a top five, but he had to give an honorable mention to the album Echo. Okay. So there you go. All right, okay, very good. All right. Then we have, and this is this is in order, by the way, Southern Accents. I think that's a very underrated out. That's one that I have kind of rediscovered in doing this series, and I've kind of forgotten how good it is. Absolutely. Full Moon Fever. Uh, that's hard to argue with. I mean, I mean that's, you, you, <laughs> if it was just free falling 10 times. <laughs> Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Or whatever, then it would, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, played the same song 10 times. You could have named that one, and it would, still would have been in my top 10 probably. And we got Tom Petty and Heartbreakers debut, followed by yep. Am the Torpedoes, and number one, Wildflowers. Wildflowers. All yeah. right. Thank you, Mark. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mark. Now, I am going to read uh, the one from our friend Thea. If my old ass eyes can read this tiny print, such as I have. <laughs> um, she kind of uh, blew through the first 10, or the, the 10 through 6. At number 10, she had Full Moon Fever. At number nine, she had the She's the One soundtrack. Number eight is Traveling Wilburys Volume One. Number seven, she has Hypnotic Eye. Oh, and six I like that is, one. Yep, and six is Long After Dark. Now, at number five, she found it a bit on her top five. At number five, she had Echo. She said, quote, Echo bumped Hypnotic Eye from my top five for one song, Room at the Top. Ah, great song. This is really known as Tom Petty's Divorce Album. Room at the Top is haunting and deep with its simple verbiage. It's something that I know we all identify with. The lyrics are so very raw and exposed. I feel like Tom gave us a look inside of his soul with with this song. Room at the Top is followed by such greats as Swingin', Free Girl Now, and Rhino Skin. All right. At number four, she put Southern Accents. She said, I have the same opinion as most. This is almost the perfect concept album. The reason it's in my top five is because of Rebels, Southern Accents, Dogs on the Run, and the best of everything. I will caveat this by stating that I really like David A. Stewart as a musician and producer. He had no business on this record, though. I really like Don't Come Around Here No More, but it ruined what is almost a perfect concept album. It still belongs in my top five. So... That's what she had for number four. For number three, Thea had Hard Promises. She said, I can listen to Hard Promises without skipping one song. The one that I love the most is Insider, which, Will, is a favorite of yours. Absolutely. She said, while Stevie and Tom know each other all that well, 
when they did this duet, it shows how two extremely unique voices can come together and make something beautiful. I also love A Woman in Love, The Waiting, and King's Road. Okay. At number two, Thea had Mud Crutch 2. Wow. She said, two is a favorite album of mine that is always in rotation in my home. The album allowed for an 18-hour straight-through drive from Denver to San Diego to see Mud Crutch in an outdoor venue <laughs> next to the ocean. That's so if we, think, if, we, if we think we're Tom Petty fans, she drove 18 hours to see Mud Crutch. Yeah. She said, a cool fact about the Mud Crutch tour is that they priced all of the merchandise as if they were a small band. I got all three of their available t-shirts for $45 total. Ah. Wow. One of one of the shirts has the hand-drawn map to the old Mud Crutch farm. She says, I also stood 10 feet at this concert from Tom Petty and Mike Campbell. <laughs> wow. And then, I don't think this is going to be a shock when it comes up that number one for anybody, Thea had Wildflowers. With her explanation being, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Wildflowers came to me as a brokenhearted teenager. It was the bomb that my soul needed. The entire album is amazing. I could go on and on about this album, but I will highlight a few favorites. One, the Barn Burner Honeybee. Two, You Wreck Me is an outstanding rock and roll song. It's classic Petty Campbell collaboration that highlights Tom's style of singing and Mike's guitar groove. Three, Don't Fade On Me is a simple and powerful song. Finally, four, Crawling Back to You. This song has lyrics that became my life's mantra. I had them tattooed a couple of weeks after Tom's passing. I'm so tired of being tired. Sure as night will follow day. Most things I worry about never happen anyway. She has that as a, a tattoo, actually. So, awesome. Thea, wow. first of all, th first of all, that, that was... <laughs> fairly deep and personal and and we really really appreciate you sharing that with us mark penelope thea thank y'all so much you you made this you made this better all right so, ld i'm told uh failed and did not do the assignment. i'm sorry i i didn't do the assignment she did not do the assignment do you have a favorite album um all of them <laughs> all of them okay that'll um, work will I, will how about your <laughs> Um, I'll narrow it down to to a few here because I do have a, a list that, like many, is going to be fluctuating, you know, depending on my mood that day. I will say if I had to go, you know, from 10 on down, uh, let's see here. Probably going to put Southern Accents, number 10. Okay. Uh, I, it, it's making the list. It's an album that sort of grew on me and came back. Number nine, I'm going to go with Echo. Number eight, I'm actually going to go with the inaugural Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers self-titled album because I feel like okay. it's not to put it on there <laughs> well when you can come out of the box yeah. swinging with breakdown an American girl it's hard to argue with that yep correct number seven I am gonna go with last DJ I was on the fence about it really okay. I'm gonna do it yeah that, that's interesting just just re real quick but what about that one appeals to you because that's that one and let me up I've had enough that, neither one of them is bad I like them but those are the only two of the 18 albums that would qualify for our list that I, I didn't really consider for the top yeah, I mean you know it, it, it was that it was honestly that or I was gonna throw on let me see hypnotic eye but uh, yeah. 
I'm going with Last DJ. I'm going with Last DJ. But Last DJ, he's it, for those who've never heard it, he's basically railing against radio and the record industry. The, Correct. Like, for, yeah. the entire, for the entire album. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And there's no no stopping there. So yeah. now I come to six. I'm going to give six to Highway Companion. Okay. Now we're in the. Okay. I, I re- that is the, probably the least known and heralded of his three solo albums. And it's really, really good. Yeah, and it's one I kind of went back to in researching this to, to go with. So now me, we're into the, the top five. We have Into the Great Wide Open. I mean, it's Into the Great Wide Open. <laughs> Just I, 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 that That's another one that, because of when it came out, it's as overlooked as an album that went double mm-hmm. platinum can be. <laughs> agreed, <laughs> agreed. Know, because of, because it you had, the, the, the succession was Wilbury's Volume 1, Full Moon Fever, we, Wilbur's Volume 3, then Into the Great Wide Open, and then Wildflowers. So it just mm-hmm. kind of got lost in the wash a little bit, I think. But I agree. I really, really lo- I love that album. Yep. Going to follow that one up with Damn the Torpedoes. Uh, you, you can never argue with Damn the Torpedoes. Nope. Solid album. I'm going to throw Wilbury's Volume 1 next in the top okay. three. Okay. Just a, a flawless album top to bottom. And then the last two in order, Full Moon Fever and Wildflowers. Nice. Very yep. good. Around Very good. Off. Very good list. Um, so I guess I'm up now. Okay. Uh, number 10, I have a little bit of a wild card, and this is uh, an album I kind of discovered for the first time, and that's Mud Crutch 2. Oh, nice. For whatever reason, I, I kind of gloss over both of the Mud Crutch albums when they came out, and I don't know why because I love Tom Petty so much. But the, the thing that one of the things I like about it, Whereas when you listen to Tom's solo albums, they still sound like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers records. Mm-hmm. And the Wilbur's Volume 3 especially, to me, sounds very much like a Tom Petty album. Mudcrutch doesn't sound like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The reintroduction of Tom Ledden, who has a much more country guitar playing style, and mm-hmm. the fact that Tom doesn't sing lead all the time really makes a difference. But the songs are really good, and I really like it. Um, yeah. Number nine, I've got Wilbur's Volume 3. That's This is another one I kind of rediscovered, because when it came out, I gave it a listener to and was like, yeah, it's okay. It's basically not near as good as the first one. And in going back and listening to it, the songs are really strong and really rocking. I, I mean, it's a it's a really good album, and I'd kind of overlooked it for whatever reason when it came out. At number eight, I actually have the She's the One soundtrack. Nice. It is a movie soundtrack because there are a couple of short instrumentals on there. There's one called Airport that sounds like, like terrible lounge jazz, <laughs> but I love it anyway. And there's two versions of Walls, but that's that's got uh, Change the Locks and Asshole and Climb That Hill Again and Grew Up Fast, Supernatural Radio, a bunch of great songs. So I've got that one at eight. Uh, at number seven, I have the, the first album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, nice. for the reasons I already stated. I had this one a little, I guess, higher than almost anybody um, other than maybe Fee, I guess, Echo. Mm. Um, it's an album that Tom initially didn't like. You know, we, we in our last episode, talked about the fact that he had, a few years before he, he he passed, he actually looked at it and was and like didn't remember doing two of the songs. But then he listened to it and ended up having a better opinion of it. And it is dark in places. Room at the top is one of the saddest, most depressing songs you'll ever hear. But it's it's fantastic. Free Girl Now is great. I love Swinging is one of my top five or ten favorite Tom Petty songs ever. So uh, that's where I've got that one. At number five, I have Into the Great Wide Open Wheel. Good choice. Um, Yep. Um, again, it, it gets overlooked a little bit, but it, even if you go a, a, away from the two big hit singles, which were the title track and Learning to Fly, you got Two Gunslingers, you've got King's Highway, 
you and I will meet again is a gorgeous, absolutely beautiful song. Um, it's, it's just a, a really overlooked piece in my opinion. I really, really like that one. Number four, I've got damn the torpedoes. We already quoted a couple of times. There was a reviewer who said it's one of the great albums of the album rock era. I agree with that. When, when you come out with, uh, you know, don't do me like that and refugee Louisiana rain. It's just, it's, it's, it is a complete start to finish album. I love it. At number three, I have full moon fever. Um, three, and wow. again, there's a, there's a depth to it that goes beyond the, the big hits. Learning to fly and I won't back down and running down a drain almost force you at gunpoint to love them. <laughs> they're impossible not to love. They're, they're, in, they're great songs, but they're also earworms. But then you have, uh, you know, subtle songs that grow on you over time, like All Right For Now, which sounds like a lullaby to me, and uh, a song that you picked for your Wilbury set list, um, Will. And that would be? Uh, facing, facing, uh, facing the Crowd. Nice. It's just an understated, wonderful song, and I love it. Number two, I've got Wilbur's Volume One. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And I think it, it works partly because it would have been real easy for those five guys to say, we have to make the biggest, most important record in the history of music. And, you know, like Tom, Bob, you, you must write the deepest and most introspective lyrics of your career. Roy, you're singing lead on every song because you have the best voice. We'll be producing. And it's like, they didn't do that. They, they just, just sat around at David A. Stewart's kitchen table and ate pancakes and drank coffee and wrote some killer songs. <laughs> so I, I really love it. And number one, we've already talked, we, obvious, this should be obvious because I just did an entire episode on it, is Wildflowers. It, it is a nearly perfect album from start to finish. There's not one weak track. There's not one wasted note or, or word anywhere. It, it is, it is per, there's, a perfect blend of some banging rock songs, but some deeper, more introspective and more mid-tempo, almost folk rock uh, stuff. But it, it just, it, it's, it's one of my two or three favorite albums ever by anybody. And uh, so I've got it at number one. And so that is going to bring this to a close. Aside from one quick question for you guys before we, before we uh, hear our final song and hit our socials. Um, there were some lineup changes in Tom P and the Heartbreakers over the years. One of them was uh, at Drummer, where they had Steve Ferrone or Steve Ferroni, I've heard it pronounced both ways, who took over from Wildflowers on before that it was Stan Lynch. Do either of you have a favorite drummer of Tom Petty's? Or have you ever noticed a difference of any kind? Only the one that exploded that one time. That was actually Spinal Tap. But it, well, you really did no homework for this at all, did you? No, I didn't. I don't even totally. are, we on a, are we doing anything right now? <laughs> <laughs> totally ill-prepared. Will, did you have did you have a favorite? Did you ever even notice a difference? Any Honestly, no, I, I didn't until I started looking into it about what the changes were. I really didn't notice until I you know, <laughs> investigated. Okay, well, my, my favorite is Steve Ferrone, and let, let me tell you why. So he grew up in England, and he started tap dancing as a young boy, started playing drums around 10 or 11. When he was 12 years old, he was inspired to start a band for the first time. He was at the Regent Ballroom in Brighton, and he heard a very brief... I believe four or five songs set, he said, by Manfred Mann's Earth Band. <laughs> and there you have it. Our Manfred Mann's Earth Band reference in a podcast has been satisfied. Wow, that, creepy? that was a that was a new one. That was something. That was yeah. a new one. I tried I tried to be uh to be creepy, and I hope I was. That, that and was. with that, we have we've come to the end of our series, and uh we, we really, really appreciate um all the feedback we've gotten it has been tremendous since i've joined this is the most feedback we've gotten on, on anybody our, our 
social media metrics have gone up by literally by over a thousand percent in some cases. Uh, and we, we really, really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope that you will uh, be similarly interested and participatory in our next series, which will be the great Jim Croce, the great Jim Croce. So I'm looking forward to that one. Somebody I, I know his greatest hits, know some of his life story, but I'm really looking forward to learning more about him. And LD is going to kick out the socials and then we're going to wrap this up. And I will say after Jim Croce, <laughs> we are going to take a one week break. And that is because at that point, I will be done with American Idol, and I will actually have time to do research on my next subject, which is Michael Jackson. Whew. So I need a week to just you need, do you that. Need, you need a lifetime yes. to yes. Michael Jackson. Yep. So uh, our social stuff, if you think that we're doing an awesome job and you'd like to throw some cash our way, you can do that over at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. No, we don't have an OnlyFans because no one wants to see any of us naked. Yeah. Who wants to who wants to see my butt? That's nope, nope, nope. Not even my you, wife. You would have to pay them money. So right. um, you can check out our Twitter at Rock and Roll LT. Our Instagram is Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Check out our Facebook at Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Still not saying our website. And you can email us at Rock and Roll Heaven at gmail.com. And please make sure to check out all the other Pantheon podcasts at PantheonPodcast.com. And uh, I guess I'll say my goodbye now. So from all of us here at Rock and Roll Heaven, all you guys out there, just remember the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe you. Good night. <laughs> you, you did you did that one once already. They're still not dead. Aerosmith yeah. is alive. That I, I I know it's fine though. It's it's either that or you know I just start doing weird robot noises and then back out of the room quietly. I don't know. I prefer that. I, let's let's try for that during Croce. Okay? <laughs> all right, all right, deal. Okay, so <laughs> good night, guys. We will talk to you next week. Will, do you have something you'd like to say to the audience? I would like to say thank you for listening and we will see you on the next one. We appreciate all the input and got some good stuff coming up. So don't go away. All right. We will uh, send it back over to T to close it out. All right. I had planned to do some sort of soliloquy and I don't, we don't have time. And also I would probably just amble and cry and, and drink more. So I'm probably going to avoid that. I wrote a column about Tom a year after he died because I found it too hard to do right after he died. I may post that on our socials and people could, could read that. I don't have the proper words to eulogize Tom at all. So I'm going to let his own words do that for me and to wrap this series up. Tom did not seem like he belonged in this place in this time in a lot of ways. He really did belong on a boat out at sea in a place that he could be free. And I like to think that that's where he is right now. We're going to wrap up our series with the namesake of the album that we covered in this episode. And it's a song that Tom's therapist to told him he believed that he actually wrote about himself. Mm. We sign off from Rock and Roll Heaven with the classic Wildflowers. Hours. You belong somewhere.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 